1.2 billion euro. It's a lot of money to me, but maybe not to Mark Zuckerberg's Meta, the company that owns Facebook. Meta was fined that sum this week for major breaches of GDPR, the Europe-wide law that protects our online privacy. The largest data protection fine ever issued under EU law. The penalty from EU regulators uh, because of sending information of European users to the US. It's a victory for Austrian privacy campaigner Max Schrems, whose complaint back in 2013 set this story in motion and who has been a major critic of how Ireland's Data Protection Commission, the DPC, has handled big tech. 89% of the complaints are not dealt with. So you do have a fundamental right to privacy and you can complain to that office, but only 2% of the complaints are actually taken in. And that means it's a bit like a fundamental right to vote, but just in 98% of the time, there's just no voting booth. This week's 1.2 billion euro fine was part of a ruling by the DPC, led by Commissioner Helen Dixon. Also in the ruling, a demand that Meta stop sending user data from the EU to the US. Even more troubling for Meta, it has to delete any data already sent. Basically because unless you can prove to us that you can protect our citizens' data from prying by US intelligence authorities or or US surveillance, you can't have it. That's Irish Times tech reporter Kira O'Brien, who's going to tell us the story of Meta, Max Schrems, the DPC and this week's ruling. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, what the Meta fine means. Kira, in basic terms, what has the fine been imposed for? It specifically relates to data transfers that Facebook made to the US of user data from the EU. And Basically, the the social network has been told to stop all data transfers to the US. This is something that is going to have a serious impact on Facebook, should it actually go through. Now, the fine is 1.2 billion euro. Facebook, the first quarter, revenue was 28 billion. And that's the first quarter alone. So, you know, 1.2 billion isn't small change. But even if Meta ends up paying it, why would the company care about it? The fine itself is attention grabbing. Look, it looks like a lot. 1.2 billion, it's actually far less than it could have been. It could have been up to 4 billion. But even then, that might seem like a lot of money to you and me. You put it in the context of Facebook's revenue last year, which was more than $116 billion, which when you convert it's around €108 euro. suddenly that fine doesn't look quite so big. What the real fly in the ointment here is the ruling that not only must Meta stop the transfer of data, but that it also has to return the data that was improperly processed over the last couple of years. That's going to be a bit of a nightmare. When you think of how much data flows between the EU and the US um, on a service like Facebook and where that's stored, imagine trying to, to, to grab all of that back and then prove that you have because we have been through something similar before where data was supposed to have been deleted and it wasn't and, you know, it can cause all sorts of hassle. This is a big deal. I was struck by the leaked document that came out last year uh, purportedly from, from Facebook and the analogy about trying to get data back. It was the ink in the swimming pool. Once there's ink in the swimming pool, how do you get it out? You can't. Exactly. It just scatters everywhere. Okay, so take us right back to the start. How did Meta end up in this situation? This can be traced back 
I suppose, 10 years um, pre-GDPR implementation, which came in in 2018. Uh, it's back to 2013 um, and the Snowden leaks. His name is Edward Snowden. Today he came out as the leaker of classified NSA documents that spell out a secret surveillance program. I don't want to live in a world where everything that I say, everything I do, everyone I talk to, every expression of, 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 of creativity or, or love or friendship is recorded. That exposed the extent of US intelligence activity and prying and caused all sorts of uh, international disquiet. But at the same time, obviously, of Facebook transferring data to and from the US to store to maybe you're sending photographs to friends who are in the US and so on. There needs to be adequate protections in place to keep US intelligence out of that data. And that has been made clear um, over the past decade many, many times. So in the initial 2013 complaint, Max Schrems, who is an Austrian privacy activist, argued that Facebook Ireland was in breach of EU law by transferring uh, personal data of EU users for processing in the US. And he realized in getting data about himself from Facebook that they were keeping a lot of data on him that he thought had been deleted. There's been a number of these uh, agreements that kind of protect the data transfer between the EU and the US. The, the first one was Safe Harbour. Then these lay down a number of rules that allow these data transfers to proceed and say, look, if you are transferring data between these two jurisdictions, this is how you have to treat it. This is what you have to do with it. And above all, you have to keep it safe. Now, as a result of that action in 2015, that was ruled invalid. Thursday's ruling says the bloc's national data authorities can override the 15-year-old safe harbour pact used by around 4,500 companies. Basically on, on the premise that US data protection laws were inadequate um, and basically you could not transfer data between the EU and the US based on those rules. That was then followed by Privacy Shield. This was the new kind of safe harbour that was adopted in kind of mid-2016. This is the new pact that uh, is supposed to come in its place and in itself is now being questioned. And, so and by 2020, that was struck down. That was again Max Schrems because they, they said it didn't provide adequate protection to EU citizens from government surveillance. He says these new rules are not adequate. There's been work, to, work ongoing to replace that ever since. So there's been a bit of a, a vacuum since then. Um, the basically then what's happened in the meantime, obviously, is, you know, GDPR came in. People are much more aware of their, their, their rights and, and company responsibilities under these new data protection rules. Uh, in the meantime, data transfers have continued under these standard contractual clauses, which is another legal framework. And that's kind of what's at the heart of the, the latest decision. So, Kira, it's the case that the DPC took this action against Facebook because Facebook kept transferring user data to the US, even though, as you described, there was no way to do that legally anymore. It is. I'll continue my conversation with Kira O'Brien after this short break. OK, so the Irish Data Protection Commission, or the DPC, and the Commissioner, Helen Dixon, has had a major role to play in all this because Facebook, uh, its European headquarters, is in Dublin. Um, so the DPC's job is to enforce data rules. So do you, you'd expect the DPC and Max Schrems, the privacy activist, to be on the same page. But they haven't always been on the same side, have they? They have not. The animosity between the DPC and Max Trems has been going on for, for quite a while. This down here is a supermarket. 
And that blue door back there is the place that regulates Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, you name it. Um, at the time when we started, they had 20 people of which there was not a single lawyer, not a single technician. The head of that organization was a diplomat before. And they apparently regulated European privacy because in Europe, it depends where the headquarter of a company is, not where the users are. And that basically meant they could basically do whatever they wanted to do. Even though going back to like 2021, there were several tense exchanges between them. He accused the DPC of attempting to stop him from published documents related to a complaint against Facebook. Then he accused the DPC of improperly lobbying other European regulators over a contested data collection policy used by the company. Then in 2021, he also he appeared before the Oireachtas Committee and said the DPC was too slow. There is extremely poor understanding of material and um, procedural law in the DPC. Um, we had cases that are now pending for more than eight years. Um, now look, these accusations, the accusations of the DPC being a bit slow to, to react or slow to um, to respond to, to these complaints, they're not new. They've been kind of levelled from various cores before, including in the pages of the Irish Times. Um, obviously, the, the, the Data Protection Commissioner, Helen Dixon, rejects this. And, you know, they're not the only ones. I talked to somebody over the last few days uh, in, in relation to a few pieces on GDPR, basically said that they have heard nothing from various um, uh, data regulators around Europe when they were trying to to get uh, a, a complaint through. You know, in some cases, the complaints haven't been acknowledged. In some cases, they're very slow to respond. The Irish DPC is, is not really unusual in that respect. Max Schrems actually had to take a legal challenge all the way to the European Court of Justice to force action on the Facebook issue. Has Max Rems actually, has he commented on, on the ruling? He's described this as a major blow for Meta. Obviously noted that the fine could have been higher, um, but kind of said, look, unless US surveillance laws get fixed, Meta is going to have to fundamentally change its systems. And that is you know, basically limiting um, reasonable limitations in US surveillance law would solve an awful lot of this problem. And what we would need is a transatlantic agreement that your protections kind of travel with the data and that you're just as protected if your data goes to the US as if it stays in Europe. That would be the ideal solution. That's mm. probably 10 or 20 years um, from now. We all know that just because a tech company has its HQ in Ireland, like, you know, that doesn't mean that everything it, it does in Europe happens in Ireland. The vast majority of the data that's involved in this case is not coming from Ireland. It's coming from the rest of Europe. But, you know, obviously it's our DPC that has to keep the tech companies in line. Have other European countries been happy with how we have handled this responsibility so far? Well, there's been few grumblings uh, about the, the slow pace at which cases are, are moving. But on the flip side, you could argue that, look, these are complex cases. The burden is falling disproportionately on Ireland to police big tech, given our size. And look, it wasn't supposed to be the case because when GDPR was first drawn up, the idea of a one-stop shop where big companies with a base in Europe would deal with only one regulator for the whole of the territory, it wasn't in it. It was originally planned that there'd be like a Europe-wide body that would deal with these big cases. But that changed and the, the Irish DPC showed us the burden and so we just have to get on with things. But there is European oversight uh, through this European Data Protection Board and that has representatives from all over Europe on it and they have pushed back when they felt that the enforcement action wasn't enough. And we saw recently um, a review of decisions by the Irish Council for Civil Liberties found that 75% of the DPC's draft decisions had some sort of pushback from this board and they favoured stricter penalties and that um, 
was the case in in this meta ruling, uh, where originally the draft decision did not have in it any sort of financial penalty, and it didn't have the the, the stipulation that Meta had to get that data back from wherever it was being processed in the US. As you said, it's the ink in the, in the swimming pool. So what you're saying is that the preferred Irish approach to this was much more lenient than our European counterparts. And that in the end, we were forced to toughen our ruling by the European Data Protection Board. But, you know, why? Why, why did Helen Dixon not want to impose any fine on Meta? Like, particularly where it seems that the company was willingly breaching the rules. So her argument was that a fine would have no meaningful, dissuasive effect on Meta. And look, you know, you could argue that she's right. You know, we are now, this is year five of GDPR. It's still very early on, even though it doesn't feel like it, it is still very early on in these regulations. And there is a table out there of all of these decisions and the number of fines and the the the, the amount of fines. And while we currently top the table for the, the monetary value of fines, we don't even make the top 10, I think, for the number of fines. We've less than 30 decisions that have fines imposed them. And obviously some of them would have been fines that would have come from the, the European uh, Data Protection Board rather than originally from the DPC. And topping that table was Spain, which had 650 fines. Now, you can say, great, you know, they're obviously, they're, they're doing what this is supposed to do. But the problem is, is that those fines get appealed. And, you know, if you have stuff that's tied up in, in the court system, obviously then there's a, a kind of like a pause put on a lot of the rest of the, the case. So if the decision overall is being appealed because the company feels the fine is too too much of a, a, an imposition, that it is too high, well then what about the actual decision that affects the transfer of data? So basically the DPC might decide that a fine is just going to hinder getting the result at once, a win on data protection. Because you know, for all these penalties, you know, there doesn't really seem to be dissuading companies from, you know, kind of getting into a tangle with the DPC. Because if you look at the, the list of the top five, including the most recent one, the, the top five uh, monetary penalties, four out of those five are meta and four out of those five were, were levied by the Irish DPC. Now, obviously, no company is going to like being hit consistently with a demand for money because you know that they've broken GDPR rules. But, you know, if they can get that through the courts and get that fine reduced, you know, is it really dissuading them or is it just going to tie things up in the legal system for God knows how long? Because as we've seen, the Irish courts don't move that fast anyway. And we are now getting kind of a decision based on something that, you know, happened a couple of years ago. So it's all a process and it all takes time. And I suppose it complicates matters when you throw the legal system into the mix and you're asking then the, the, the courts to make a decision because obviously this will be appealed and it will be appealed again. It will be appealed as far as it can go. So what happens, though, to the data that has already been transferred out of Europe that is in America? Like, what's going to happen there? There's two elements to it. First of all, they have to stop the uh, they stop the transfer of further data and they also have to get that data back. So they have several months to do that. Um, in the meantime, there is a new data agreement between the EU and the US going through. Um, I suppose maybe they're, they're, they're relying on the fact that this might be in place before they have to do anything meaningful. But given that the last few have been struck down by the courts, it's highly likely that the next EU US data sharing agreement will go the same way. So with that in mind, it just seems, I suppose it seems 
better if Facebook and Meta and Instagram and WhatsApp and all these companies that are currently relying on these uh, standard contractual clauses to transfer data to and from the US and will rely on this upcoming data transfer agreement, that they just stop transferring the data, store the, the data in the EU, process the data in the EU under GDPR regulations and only transfer what you need. So say if I'm if I'm sending a message to somebody who's in the US, obviously a certain amount of my data is going to have to go with that message. You know, that that's just how things work. So yeah, but but you know, limit what you're transferring, limit what you're processing outside of the EU. In the run-up to this, Facebook was making noises that it, you know, GDPR is just too complicated. It's just, they just can't be having it. They're going to pull out of Europe. Did you think that that, or do you think that that's a runner in any way? I don't think so. I'd be very surprised if they do. It's it just it's 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 all a bit, you know, chest pounding and you know, rumbles and all that stuff. It's. Facebook, uh, Meta in general. So, if you take all of its its, its uh, digital platforms, Europe is is a huge market for it. To cut itself off from Europe is you know, it, it would be huge. Uh, they'd have to if they were pulling all their services out of Europe. I mean, they have data centers, they have offices, they make a lot of money here. Um, would you really want to cut yourself off from that because you've decided that GDPR is too complicated? There are companies that don't do business with people who are coming from European IP IP addresses, but that doesn't mean they're not processing the data of European citizens. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, I mean, there are always ways around things. We've seen it with the the, the proposed ban on TikTok in Montana. I mean, that is just going to be a, a logistical nightmare for whoever has to implement it, if it even goes through. Trying to, the, the idea of the internet is that it's borderless. Uh, with a borderless internet, you know, you, you can't really control who is coming in and out of your services because people have found workarounds for stuff like that. So geo locks and, and kind of geographic restrictions can be got around with a simple use of a VPN that makes it seem as if you're in the US, but you're not in the US, you're still an EU citizen. And even if I am using a VPN that makes it appear that I am in the US, I'm still an EU citizen and, and GDPR still applies to me. So I don't think pulling out is A, feasible, B, sensible or C, actually effective. Finally, Kira, we have a huge US tech sector here. How is this ruling going to impact tech in this country? Does it have any impact on our economy? I think we have to stop looking at it as a US tech company problem. Um, anybody who's sending data to the US or outside of the EU is affected by this. And that's not, strictly speaking, limited to US companies. I don't think it's going to be a case that, you know, US tech companies will just pull out of Europe wholesale. It's just, it's such a huge market. It's not, uh, as I said, I, I don't think it's sensible for Facebook. I don't think it's feasible for Facebook. So likewise, that would apply to other US companies. Um, I do think that, you know, it, Again, you know, we're, we're down to this thing of a borderless internet. And because we're in such a globalised economy now, I mean, you know, if you're an Irish company, you likely have, if you if you want to grow, you likely have an office outside of Ireland. Um, so that includes in the US. There are plenty of Irish companies that have US operations, even if it's only one or two people. Um, and they would be affected by this ruling as well, because it doesn't necessarily say that it's US companies uh, processing US or EU citizens' data in the US that are at fault here. It's it's basically the processing of the data. It's not limited to US companies. It's, it could be anybody that's processing data. Once that data moves outside of the EU, you know, it's subject to all of this uncertainty at the moment. Um, 
And that includes Irish companies. So I don't think, you know, it's as simple as, you know, what will happen to the, the, the tech sector, the US tech sector in Ireland. It's what will happen to the tech sector in general. Thanks very much, Kira. Thank you very much. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including tech coverage from Kira O'Brien, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back soon.